Three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 367. And today is, oh my God, it's, I almost said, I try not to cuss on the show. I want to so badly. That's I'm good so for effing excited. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, joining me in studio. Austin, how are you? I'm doing well, Zach. I'm glad to be here. This is this is a great setup you have. I get to see behind the, the <laughs> scenes, so to say. I'm glad to be here, man. This is super exciting. It's like our season finale. It is. It's a fitting finale, right? Yeah. It's crazy. It like we we lined it up so we could be in the same room, in mm-hmm. the same city. Like that's special to me. I'm really excited. It worked out really well. I'm like I said, I couldn't be more pumped. Um, you know, the whatever whatever hockey gods shined upon us here today to allow us to be in the same room and you know I'm happy to be here it's really exciting stuff man well i, I want to tell you in person i yeah we we've, we've been friends for like forever and it's been fun to rekindle it through hockey yeah. and like getting to share the playoffs and i i've had such a fun time getting to you know catch up and i just it's more than just hockey it's like it's friendship and i really have a great time with it it's so fun it's the best man it's the best i've got a lot of really positive really fun memories stemming from this sport and this is just gonna be another one of those so i you know like i said man just over the moon so today's episode is entirely encompassing the stanley cup finals uh the tampa bay lightning beat the montreal canadians in five games uh i got some a fun thing to say about this you can say lightning struck twice okay the tampa bay lightning are back-to-back nhl champions they are and I, I mean, it's even crazy. Like it's their second time winning a Stanley Cup final in less than 300 days because of the COVID craziness. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. It's very twice weird. in nine months. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah, and I, there, Tampa Bay was a team. I, I was hoping for a great series. I'm glad we avoided a sweep, but it was a gentleman's sweep. It wasn't really like I don't. Would you even call this a good series? Uh, I mean, no. Like honestly, like it, yeah. it's it's kind of a lame answer. It's not you know. There's there were more, there were series in this postseason that were a lot more exciting than this one was. And I on this show I believe I said six games for the series, but even that like while I said it, it was like okay, there's there's routes for this to be four or five. Yeah. You know, if if things go the way they ended up going. No, I mean it wasn't that good of a series. There was I mean, of the five games, three of them were by more than one goal, were decided by more than one goal. There was one overtime game. Um, you know, and interestingly enough, game five, the clinching game, you could argue was probably the, like the most boring, so to say of all the games like that. You go in game five, you think this is going to be a, you know, you're amped up. It's, you know, a chance for, for the closeout Stanley's in the building as they say. And it was like, okay. And like one, nothing game. It was kind of just kind of just happened. Like it almost felt unsatisfying the way it ended. Um, you know, I'm sure Tampa would disagree with that, but as fans and definitely as, you know, the Montreal Canadiens faithful would say that, but as a neutral fan, it just felt like this was. It felt like it was decided after game one in a lot of ways, and it never really changed. The tide never really turned, I felt like. And this is just me, but that's the way that it felt to me. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Well, actually, you would know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a newcomer to hockey. I, yeah. I'm very open about that. I, I ask questions, but a lot of stuff I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Are, would Tampa Bay have been able to match up with the Avalanche with a normal setting? Like, with a normal, without COVID and the weird divisions— would they have been like the East and the Avalanche been the West? Because that's the finals I would have liked to see them or Vegas against uh, the Lightning rather than Montreal. I think both those series are a lot better. And again, it's hindsight, right? So we, you know, we're doing the thing now where where Tampa runs through Montreal, and you think that no one's going to beat them, and this is such a great team, and they're so balanced, and they play so great, and that you know no one has any shot. And I don't want to go that far because I think that a Colorado or a Vegas series would have been really entertaining to see I don't know how different it would have gone maybe it would have and you know that's why we play the game yeah it would have they would have been both have been much better series I would have liked to see that I think that 
the way that Colorado plays, the speed that they play with, how Tampa matched up with that would have been fun. Um, and Vegas kind of alternatively, the way that they play this like tough style, the way that they possess the puck, the way that they grind, um, all, you know, in a, in a similar sense, would have been fun to see how Tampa lined that up. And Montreal just didn't. I'd, we'll get into the series itself, but it, Montreal just didn't seem to do any one thing quite well enough. And Tampa just had their way. And you know, when you're a great team, that's what you do. They're a repeat champ for a reason. They returned a lot of the same guys. Um, you know, their core has stayed intact. And when you win, you know, the year before, it's not that much of a surprise, despite how. Um, the regular season went where well, they were still good, but they weren't the elite team that a lot of people thought they might be. And you know, there's reasons for that that we've gone over with um, you know players' health and whatnot. Well, there was only one it's, moment where the series was even. Th- there was one moment I remember. Game one, Tampa led two to one. I remember Montreal got that goal to make it two to one, and you're like, okay, hey, it's within a goal, and uh, Montreal has a shot to make this interesting. And then they win the game five to one. And and Montreal didn't get any more momentum until they were already down three to zero in the series. And it's like, man, I, I and I don't. I I was texting you, and I remember feeling like, well, did we? Is it maybe? Is it interesting because we got to see an amazing performance by a great Tampa Bay Lightning team? And maybe that's the only way you can spin it into a silver lining. Yeah, I don't want to complain, but I was a lot like kind of like, man, I I really enjoyed the other series, and I was hoping for like a bunch of great moments here, and we really yeah. didn't get many that were like captivating and interesting and tense it, it felt like and to your point it felt like it was it was that game two um Blake Coleman scores with like a second and change left in the second period to make it 2-1 Tampa going into the third period of game two and it felt like from there it was it was it was over because that game one Tampa wins it handily, but you could like talk yourself into if you're a Montreal guy, or if you think the Montreal's got a shot, you can talk yourself into you know, hey, this thing happened, weird balances here, like Chernak scores, he's not much of a goal scorer, he gets a weird one, the the goal where um, a Montreal player, I believe it was Sherratt, flicks it backhand across the crease and it bounces off another guy, and and I think it's Kucherov there to put it home. There's weird stuff that happens game one, and you think okay, we can recover from this, and then you go into that game two and it's nil nil after one, and and then. Uh, Tampa opens up the scoring, Montreal responds, and you think, okay, you know, 1-1 headed into the final frame. If Montreal can play another, you know, 20 minutes better than Tampa, we're looking at an even series, and who knows what happens here. Coleman scores this, like, crazy goal with a second left in the period, and it felt like that was the the catalyst, I guess, for Tampa. I guess what maybe... That's why I felt like momentum was lost for Montreal, and it never... They never rallied. Short of that game four, I think, where they win it in overtime, which, you know... It's not like they they blew the doors off Tampa. It felt like even that was like, and I mean, I think I texted you. They delayed the inevitable. Is yeah. what they managed to do yeah. that game four, because it felt like after that game two, it was just there was no coming back for Montreal. Yeah, I I try to be very like especially the audience. I I'm a newcomer to hockey. Like I I'm very comfortable breaking down NFL film. I've got a lot of yeah. friends in the NFL, a lot of friends in the league behind the scenes. Uh, I'm very comfortable breaking down basketball. Like people get mad at me, they say I don't have any right to do that. But I played basketball my whole life. I've been around. I've followed the sport forever. I know basketball. Hockey feels like a different language to me. There, I, I admit, there are times where I I don't understand. Like I know what's happening. Like I know it's a power play. Mm-hmm. I know this. I know that. But I'm like, I can't see the strategy that must be happening behind the scenes. It's kind of like it's a foreign thing to me. I I know what a pick and roll looks like in basketball. Yeah. I know what. A play looks like when you swing up whatever, a screen, whatever, and, and football. I can't understand the nuance and the strategy in hockey the same way. It's foreign to me. So I ask you, is there anything that Tampa did 
strategically that beyond just being more talented, did they have a strategy that made them uh, dominate so easily in the series? Tampa plays in such a fun and interesting way that only teams who are super skilled can pull off. Mm. And it's what they do in the offensive zone is so impressive to me. They utilize every inch of space in the offensive zone, whether it's back out to the blue line, you know, moving pucks around to the point, sending it back in behind the net. They just are really, really adept at making the opposition work really, really hard in their own defensive zone. And if you want the opposition to be tired in any, in any one place on the ice, it's worth them defending their own net. And they, they hem teams in. And again, it's something that you have to be super skilled to do because it has to be this is a combination of being tough enough and gritty enough as a team to win battles on the boards when it's physical and you're in tight. And then there's this level of finesse and skill that comes with being able to flutter passes 50, 60 feet and hit a guy on the move. Their chemistry is out of this world. The way that they blind pass to each other, they touch pass off the boards to one another. They pass cross ice. They use bumper. They use bumper passes from you know between the between the hash marks. They have one guy set up there to facilitate either further out to the point or behind the net. They just are. This is a team that clearly has played a lot of playoff hockey together, and they're clearly, clearly very, very skilled. And when you get that, it's just special chemistry where if, if if the Canadians tried to play the way that Tampa did, it wouldn't work. This is mm-hmm. a this is a way that Tampa plays that is so specific to them, not in style, but in ability to adhere to a style. Yeah. And that's because of again how great this team is. So you ask, you know, what do they do besides be better? They they played a game that only special teams can play, I think. Yeah. And that's what they were to do. And that's just on the offensive end. There's, you know, there's the neutral zone, there's the defensive zone, there's their goaltending that we can all get into. But I think what impressed me the most from the immediate drop of the puck was how they dominated in the offensive zone and how they moved the puck around and how they generate scoring chances for themselves. Well, can I liken it to, and I'm going to make a comparison yeah. to basketball. Yeah. The Phoenix Suns have Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, like a ton of, like four out of their five starters are like, wow, these guys are insanely talented. Yeah. They play really well together. They had a possession where, in a 24-second play clock, they had 10 passes mm-hmm. leading to a DeAndre Ayton uh, and one, you know, yeah. like a three-point play. And that's you can only achieve that, that style of ball movement, the way they communicate and help each other on defense, if you have guys that are really skilled. Yeah. They play a way that only a team that has that talent can do that. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying about Tampa? They're the same way. Like they, they get away with stuff that other teams simply aren't capable of because of their skill and talent. Yeah, and it's everything. It's it's winning because what you don't have in basketball is the idea. I mean, there are, but if a pass, if the puck isn't on a player's stick in hockey, it's a loose puck. Like there, it's, yeah. it would be like you'd be like if you had to roll the ball to each other in basketball. Yeah, so, someone's always dribbling in basketball. Always, there's always someone who like has really defined possession. Yeah, more so I think than in hockey. So the the combination again that they display of this toughness and this strength and this and the, and the speed and finesse they seem to win every loose puck battle if there's a race to a puck in in anywhere but especially in the offensive zone they seem to be the first ones there they're tipping passes they're keeping players alive they're saving the puck from going off sides out of their own you know out of their out of their offensive zone past the blue line back in they just make all the little plays that teams that you know again I'll I'll rehash this they make all the little plays that only really really skilled um and chemistry laden teams can pull off and that was what it was it just it's there were so many moments where and it, what you don't see is on the, on the box score 
you don't see that shift where they've got Montreal hemmed in for 90 seconds into their own zone. Their their guys are gassed, and then that might not have resulted in a goal. They might have been able to clear the puck, and the, the next guys jump over the boards. But but it well, works to a goal of tiring the other team out. So next time, and just gaining momentum. Hockey is such a momentum driven sport. That's you. The, the adage is always, you know, if you're down by two or three goals, coaches always say, just win a shift, win a shift, win a second mm-hmm. shift, win a third shift. Feel like that when you're out there for 45 seconds, 60 seconds, that your group played better than their group for a minute. Do mm-hmm. that again. Do that again. Do that a fourth time. Maybe we get a goal. Do it again. Just building. I mean, it'd be like in football. You know, if you're get if you're if you're down, you know, seventeen nothing in the second quarter or something like that, just get a first down. Get yeah. do another first down. Just keep the defense off the field for a little while. Earn some momentum back. And it felt like every time Montreal got to the point where they were trying to do that, Tampa was just had the had the fire extinguisher and mm. just and, and shut it down. They're a better team, and that's what happens to better teams. And Montreal had a phenomenal run. I've said it the entire time on this show that I'm super proud of Montreal. I think they really they showed out, and I think that their fan base has a ton to be proud of. Um, Tampa is is a really, really, really good team, and there's no shame in losing to them. And there's going to be people that say, you know, $17 million over the cap, $18 million over the cap. That's fine. We can have that conversation. We have had that conversation on we this show. We should, too. In this, yes. Yeah. We've talked about that plenty. That even aside, this is just a super talented team that – has played a lot of playoff hockey together, and that's what you have, and that's what you saw here. And you know, credit to them and credit Montreal for what they did, but it wasn't enough. Is that something I can look for next when I watch hockey next year? Is even if you're not scoring goals, time of possession is still not just valuable, but it's it works towards a cause. It, wor- it has a purpose. Yeah, it, it has a, a direct result in with how you're wearing down the other team. Yeah, I mean for sure, man. Those third periods, like late in the third period. You can tell who's who's dominated play throughout, just in body language and in in how you know quick shifts and who's winning those fifty fifty puck battles in corners, who's coming out with that more consistently. The the hits, you know, they count. Scorekeepers are getting more and more liberal with how they take hits. If it's a rub out in the boards, it didn't really look like a hit. What's a rub out? Is that like a? It's like when um, it's so instead no, of like, not when you slam someone to the boards. It's like it's if like you're kind of if like yeah, if he, if a guy's got the puck on the boards and he kind of drops it behind him, and the guy, the defender who's coming behind him, kind of just taps him into the boards, yeah. just lets him know he's there. Well, it's almost like you're kind of fr- like positioning your body rather than hitting him. Yeah, instead of like actually, you know. I guess I'm trying to find like a, another. Football. Well, it's like boxing out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find another football comparison. It's like instead of uh, like a big open field hit, it's kind of like if you just wrap a guy up. Obviously, you don't do that in hockey, but it's the same thing yeah. where it's not. It's it's a tackle. It's minor, but it's not. It's not a huge collision, and that's kind of what rubbing out on the boards is. But p- the scorekeepers call those hits now. I hate how rubbing out. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm too, I know. I, I'm too uh, too childish. I know. Um, <laughs> he rubbed him out on the boards. Yeah, I know. But they're calling those hits now, so the hit counts look. Absurd, like yeah. like there's like we're looking at 110 hits, and you think that it's just been blood sport the entire time, and it hasn't been. But the point that I'm making is that those little plays like that, they all pay dividends. Mm. All that stuff, and that's what you see the successful teams do. Vegas is the king of doing that. They just they always kind of let you know that they're there. They just wear. They don't you give down. anything easy ever, mm. and yeah. that's and that's the way that good teams play into the spring. They just they never stop. Tampa Tampa Bay's four check is incredible. That's like when if uh, like. When Montreal would have the puck in their own defense in their own defensive zone, and there's one or two guys from Tampa who, when they're just trying to you know force play and trying to be pests and be annoying, it's almost like full court press. Yeah, um, they're really really great at producing off the forecheck. They put pressure on. They just never stop. They're like buzzards. They never ever stop. Whether it's their high skill guys like Stamkos or Kucherov or their 
their bottom six guys. No one, they all know their role. They all work really, really hard, and they all know how to play within their own system. And this is what you get when you have a team, like, you know, that that yeah. operates like that. I want to ask. So I'm going to lead to a question eventually. Yeah. I, I the, the the at the end of this route is the the ultimate question of what could have Montreal done differently or better. But I do want to start with the goalie, uh, Carey Price. He's yeah. 33 years old. Been in leagues in 2007. Yeah. He's this legendary, awesome goalie. And he gave up 16 goals in five games. 16 goals in the Stanley Cup Finals this series against uh, Tampa. But it, it looked like to me watching, he had a ton of impressive saves. I mean, there, there, he's had a move. It, was it game three? where It was game three. The, the puck was kind of hovering next to the net, like just stationary for a second, slowly working its way towards the goal. And he, he he last minute flicks the if he uses the yeah, the stick the pa- and flicks the pa- it away to stick his paddle yeah yeah and it's like that's a good that's a great save that's heads up it's a good moment and there are a lot of moments where I felt like uh, you know there's a, a shot in game two where you know they they shoot through traffic and you can't even see I mean Carey Price literally didn't see the puck coming and is that on him is that on his defense for allowing that shot to get off is that good strategy by Tampa like I'm curious when I see a shot like that and I'm like. I don't know how Kerry, uh, he's a great goalie. How do you defend that when you can't even see the puck coming? There were a couple of plays in game one specifically that I recall. At game one, it seemed like both teams were scoring their goals. That game ended 5-1, to one, and Montreal's only goal was a screened goal, I believe, on Vasilevsky. Yeah. And well, well, Ben Sherrod had one where he tips it into his own goal, and I'm like, I'm like, Carey Price, that's not his fault. No. His own teammate hit it in. He had 14 goals allowed because of goal... Uh, um, goal or I guess he had 14 5-on-5 five five goals. Like, power play goals are weird to me because, like, it's it, as a goalie... Killing a penalty is so much more of a team thing than a goalie thing. Yeah. You he, need help. You need help. He gave up 14 goals, 5-on-5. Five five. Um, his expected goals against was less than 10. So he didn't have a great series like by any stretch. Yeah. But you are right in that he didn't get a lot of help. I mean, there was in, in that game one, there were two instances that I can recall specifically where Eric Gustafson, who's a defenseman for, uh, for Montreal, there was a couple of rebounds, a couple of loose pucks, and he just, this and Gustafson specifically, just misplayed so poorly. Like... If the puck is shot and there's a rebound that comes out center of the net and there's a man, uh, an attacking team, is is near the puck ready to score, the defenseman needs to make, make a choice. They can take the, the puck. He can try to poke the puck away. He can try to you know get in the lane. Or he can take the man and try to play the body, try to make a hit, try to do something. Gustafson, in the meantime, kind of gets caught in no man's lane and does neither, and it results in a Braden point goal. Um it's just it's stuff like that that you've got to be so perfect because Montreal or because Tampa is. Yeah. So as Montreal, you've got to be you've got to be so good. Um, it's the little things those, that yeah, add up. Exactly. Yeah, it might have been a Yanni Gord goal. Either way, whoever that, it was, that, yeah. whoever it was. Um, but to your point about screens, yeah, absolutely, they scored a lot of screen goals, and it's hard as a goalie. You know, Carey Price is he's an exceptional player, but if you can't see the puck, well, he's you can't human. See the puck. I mean, he's if you can't see it, yeah. There was a really great article. I suggest anybody. Uh, interested in wanting to learn more about goaltending reads? It's a it's a piece in the Athletic by Jonathan Quick, who's a longtime LA Kings goaltender, and he talks about how so much of goaltending is positioning and um, watching tape and familiarity with um, you know who you're who you're who you're seeing shoot because the how with how fast players shoot pucks now, if you're trying to react and make a save instead of having superior positioning, you're going to get beat most of the time. He said even people with the best reflexes, if you're trying to reflex save, you're not making the NHL. doesn't matter how good your reflexes mm-hmm. are. It's all about positioning, and it's about being in the right spot. And where that takes me to here is that 
Well, Carey Price did that a ton this series, and he did, and he's and he's great. His reflexes are great. It's one of the the cornerstones of his game is how reflexively strong he is as a goaltender. But the key to having superior reflexes is being able to see the shot when he's screened. He can't see the shot. What are you going to do? And what the screen does that makes it so particularly effective is that not only is there one body in front of him in the form of a Tampa player, but that Tampa player needs to be checked by somebody. There mm. needs to be somebody defending yeah. that guy. So there's now a second body there. So anytime you go to the net, you're bringing one of the goalie's teammates over there too. So it's adding a second body just by the nature of making yeah. it work. It's so Tampa scored a ton of goals with bodies in front of the net. Credit is is them that by that. design, though? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. they're, they're intentionally trying to create that They're trying scenario. to create traffic. They're trying to create that scenario. If Carey Price sees the puck and he makes the save, there's a Tampa guy right there ready to try to score on a rebound. It's definitely by design. What Montreal needs to do there is do a better job of being physical, of winning battles, clearing those guys. Because if you're a goalie... What does that mean? Like knocking them out, getting them out of there? You know, or? Yeah, legally. You can't, you know, you can't go outside can't the rules. Pick you can't cross check them. You can't pick them up and throw them. You can't drag them away. But you've got to, like boxing out, like you said, you've got to win the box out. Physicality. You've, you've got to know that you've got to trust your goaltender in that if I can get this man out of the way of your line of sight and you can see the shot all the way in, that you're going to make the save. That's what the Montreal defenders mm. have to consider. And Carey Price is a great goalie. Yeah. They can have faith in that, that if he's going to see the shot, he's going to make the save more than he's, I mean, way more than he's not, more than he probably should at times, honestly. They didn't do a good enough job of giving him that leeway to be able to see shots. They scored so many screen goals. Was that, are they sending people across? Are they creating yep. traffic? Yeah, so Montreal's, or Tampa Bay rather, has specifically uh, a big rig, Patrick Maroon. He's a guy that I'm sure, a name that I'm sure you've heard. He's won three straight Stanley Cups because he won it with the Blues in 2019. Oh, that's, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's. I, I do remember that name. I, yeah, yeah, he's an awesome guy. And he's kind of one of the, he's one of the guys, he's like the, the quintessential, like, go to the net and stand in the way guy. He's <laughs> 6'3", he's 220 pounds. Just this he's huge, like your center in basketball. He's this huge, wide-built guy who's super strong on his skates and has great hands inside because he can clean up pucks that yeah. go that are, that are rebounded away. And so and the say, strength it takes exactly. With your forearms, and like, they say, and John Cooper, the coach of Tampa, is going to say, "Hey Pat, when we get the puck in the offensive zone, just go park it right in front of the net mm-hmm. and move around with Carey. Make it tough on him. You're really strong. You're huge. He's a unit. He's a unit. Big man. Go stand in front of the net. Go make it hard. Every team's got a few guys like that." And Pat Maroon is one, you know, specific guy on, you know, uh, that that plays for Tampa who does stuff like that. But every team's got guys like that, but that lends uh, credence to this idea that yeah, you're absolutely right. There's going to be stri- there's going to be strategy on that to go to the net, be you know, cause chaos, um, be big and be strong, yeah, and work hard, and that's going to be you know how you score. That's like the blue collar goal. You're not sniping, but you're just making it hard. When I see a goal, uh, I think it was Nikita Kucherov had yeah. one where. I mean, like it, it was. It was through traffic. Mm-hmm. It was under an arm, then over like this tight window, right? And I, I, I wondered, is that when you see Matthew Stafford, the, uh, the former Lions quarterback, throw a touchdown? Ate a, ate a throw last year. I'm doing a film analysis yeah. where it's over a linebacker, like under the arm of a safety, right into this perfect spot. That's that's a throw that's intentional into a tight window. When Nikita Kucherov or whoever shot that shot, I don't even remember the scenario, but I remember it was this little window. Is that intentional? Like, ha- like I guess how intentional is that? Because, of course, you're trying, but is it like, hey, it's messy, I'm going to hit it, and th- as long as you hit it enough times, eventually it'll get through? Or is it like he's literally like, I- that's a four-inch window, and he's aiming for the four-inch every window? Every hockey player is going to say that the snipe was on purpose. Like, every- <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I totally tried to do that. No, I mean, there's some... 
if it's like what we call, you know, if it's a if it's a goal that happens on a rebound near the net, it goes off a few skates, finds its way in the net. That's just getting the puck at the net and hoping, you know, yeah. and cre- trying to create chaos and hope that good things happen. If it's a guy like Kucherov, who's like one of the most lethal shooters in the entire league, if he's shooting a puck like under a stick and over an arm and through, he, and was, at the top, right that was on purpose. Like, yeah. okay. and a lot of people who are new to hockey might think, you know, if a if a shot goes off a post and goes in, like man, you know, he almost missed the net there. That was. If if you're shooting and hitting the post and it goes in, that's as good of a shot as it is. Like you, you're aiming for the post. You're aiming. You Do want, people practice that? Like absolutely. they shoot at little windows. Yeah. So if so, a lot of, a lot of a really really common, maybe the most common, like off ice or on ice even practice technique is to buy um, a piece of tarp that goes over a net and it only has the corners cut out. Uh, High low, yeah. left and right. Well, it's corners. like fo- you do that with football uh-huh. too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You yeah. have a net with pockets you throw to. Yeah, because a goalie, you know, goalie is the net six by four. Yep. Goalies are you know anywhere from six foot to six foot seven. You, know? and you could do that. That's that's like shooting baskets. You can do that all day. All day. You're like you pick the top right corner and just go at it till you mm-hmm. get it every time. I mean, that's yeah. I, that's what I love about sports is when you find something that you can work on by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's just time. It's you can shoot jump shots all day by yourself in basketball. Yeah, and master that. You can shoot a hockey puck all day in your backyard. You may not be on ice, but you can practice that skill set over and over again. There's a video of Alex of uh, Alexander Ovechkin from several years ago using a shooter tutor is what they call him, and, uh, mm-hmm. and shooter tutor. Sh- yeah, and he's knocking out targets blindfolded. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he's like, and, and he's and he's. Same spot every time, hitting the same target over and over again, blindfolded. I mean, the, the amount of pucks that guys like that have shot into those corners is unfathomable. So when a guy like Kucherov, like you're saying, when he, this really tight window, tough shot, through a stick, through a skate, you know, up over his shoulder, and he hits that, like, a hole that's the size of the puck, it's 100% on purpose. Because he, mm-hmm. that, that he, he shot that shot in practice 100,000 times. That's and so that's, cool. It's the, that's it makes me appreciate it, it even more. Yeah. Like, man, yeah. wow! Like that—that that shot off the post wasn't an accident. You're like that. He literally is aiming for that, knowing get the ricochet off if, into the net. If you're a guy who's shooting at the middle of the net every time, you're not in the NHL. Like you're, you're yeah. not. A, if if you're only shooting straight dead center, <laughs> right into a goalie's crest of his team logo, you're not making the league. I hope like, it's gonna go through his body. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. want to make a hole in his yeah. chest. You're trying. It's the you're trying to. You're not trying. A lot of guys see it as you're not trying to score. You're trying to miss the goalie. Mm, okay. Yeah. You're, you see, that's why I let you know. That's why you, why you see some that like miss everything because yeah. they're aiming for the top right corner. They're off by two inches and it misses yeah, everything. Yeah. So it, it misses high. Yeah. But you'd rather have that than put it right in the goalie's chest because then he's stopping play. You got a face off. You might have yeah. killed your momentum. So that's it could ricochet if it goes behind. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So when so when a guy shoots and he misses the net wide, it's not because he can't hit the net. It's because he couldn't hit that two inch spot that he's trying to hit in the top right corner above the goalie's shoulder. And that's why you missed the net. I, I want to. I know the answer to this. I'm I'm 99.9 sure, but I mm-hmm. want to double check. I mean, if it's if it's if I'm next to the net, like kind of in the corner off to the the yeah. parrot, like off to the side mm-hmm. of the goalie, pucks coming at me. Can you like pick? You can't high stick, right? Yeah. Can yeah. you like use the the handle like the not the bottom part but the top part and bounce it in? Like how much? Can you use it like a baseball bat? Absolutely. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Absolutely, as long as the stick's not high. So on the, it, as long as the bottom L-shaped part isn't up. Isn't isn't up. So in the case of a goal, when you're looking at a high stick in a goal scenario, stuff so like uh, and you can't touch with your hands either. That's, t- you, that's a different rule. You can't score with your hands. It has to come yeah. off the stick unless it's an incidental deflection off of a skate or another part of your body. Yeah. You could, but, but you can. So in the case of scoring a goal, the stick can't go above the crossbar. 
Oh yeah, so you could totally hit it out of the air. So if it's like if it's you know like like waist high, yeah, and that happens all the time. Deflections like that happen oh, all I the time. I saw a couple, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the playoffs. I was like, that's that looks intentional. That's mm-hmm. a really good move. A lot of times, yeah. the, the defenseman will shoot from the point from very far out, knowing that if they're trying to store on the goalie clean, goalie's going to save it every time. You know, a seventy really foot shot. that bounce, a seventy enforcer. foot shot with no you know with no traffic. Carey Price saves that blindfolded. Mm, yeah. So. That's not what you're looking to do with store there, but he wants to put that puck, that defenseman wants to get that puck like six inches off the ground and on a straight line so that the guy in front of the net can just plop his stick down. It bounces right off the top of the stick, goes straight up. And for a goalie, deflections are about impossible. Goalies that make deflection saves are made because of good positioning and because there's a little bit of luck involved. It's very tough for a goalie to react to a deflection and make the save because that shot's coming so fast. It's so close. That's why the catching a bullet. It's like catching a bullet. It's just not going to happen without, again, great positioning and a little bit of luck. Mm. Let's talk about the Conn Smythe. Is that Conn Smythe? Yeah, the Conn Smythe, which is the Stanley Cup Finals MVP award. Uh, I'm, wow, I'm going to see Andrew, uh, Andrew, and, and why can't I say I, his name? I, I want you to go? I want you to get it all the way through. Andre Vassil of Vas. Wait, okay. Oh, you were so close. Vasilevsky. 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 Oh, I knew that. I knew that. Damn it. It's I, like Vasilevsky. I, I have his name written down so many times, like trying to... Vasilevsky. Yes. And Perfect. Andre Vasilevsky. Perfect. That, I, knew, I fucking knew that, but Perfect. I panicked. I literally was like... I haven't said this name out loud to anybody I don't else think, I don't think he would say his name better. That was perfect. Andre Vasilevsky. Anyway, he won the Conn Smythe. Uh, he's the Tampa Bay Lightning's goalie. Yes. Uh, I guess it's a two-part question, because there, there's some controversy here. I think you could have also made an argument for Nikita Kucherov as well. Nikita Kucherov uh, scored five goals in the series, five goals in five games. That's that's pretty awesome. It doesn't get a whole lot um, better. <laughs> but Vasilevsky gave up only eight goals in five games. Uh, that's half of what Carey Price gave up. I mean, like that, there's a, there's a, he's a big reason why they won the series as well. Um, did it go to the right guy? What did Andre Vasilevsky do to deserve it? Should have been Kucherov. Like, let's let's have that debate. I'm I curious. think he went to the right guy because the Smythe is actually it's so it's it's not just the Cup final round; it's the whole playoffs. Mm. It's the playoff MVP. Got it. That makes so, sense. So, so in it's that a playoff MVP, really, in that context, and, let me ask a dumb question. But is yeah. the is the series between Tampa and Montreal called the Stanley Cup Finals, or yes. is the Stanley Cup Finals the entire thing? Nope, it's the so the whole the whole thing is the Stanley Cup playoff. Yep. And that last round is the Stanley Cup final. Got it. But he won the Hans Smythe uh, Trophy, which is for all every series they played. All four rounds. There. Yep. Got it. So that that makes more sense. I was because I was looking at the numbers like uh, you could make a great argument for Nikita Kucherov here in this series. I think you could still make a great argument for him to be honest. Like I think mm. that I think if if I was in a group chat with some people and we were you know saying hey it's either Vasilevsky or it's Kucherov and I think some of them were saying you know I think they believe it should have been Kucherov. Yeah. Um, I think you can make a strong, strong case for either one. I definitely wasn't disappointed in who got it. I think Vasi deserves it. I think he you was... literally texted me like, "Well deserving." Like, yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. He would have been my choice, um, yeah. but again, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have shaken my head at Kucherov either. Yeah, he played a great postseason. Um, what Vasilevsky does that doesn't go on the box score is dazzling as a goalie. The way I texted you this during Game One, the way he doesn't give up rebounds. Or the way that the rebounds that he does give up are impossible to create positive chances for Montreal off of. How does he? How do you do that? How do you neutralize that chance? So if a shot comes in, a lot of a common thing that that teams will do, especially if a goalie's playing very very well, and instead of trying to beat him clean, instead of trying to snipe him, you know, when a really clean goal, you might try to shoot it low, 
Mm. And what shooting it low does is it makes it to where he can't control the puck by catching it or by swallowing it up in his chest. He has to make a save with his pads where he can't control the puck as well after. So what that does is it generates bounces, it generates big, big rebounds that your team hopefully can follow up on. A good goaltender, a great goaltender like Vasilevsky, he's not he's so good at his own bodily control he doesn't just send the puck out any which way when it comes in low on him or off his blocker he's able to manipulate his body and have the puck rebound in a position that is very not advantageous for montreal instead of popping it right out up the middle right you know in, in yeah. the middle of the ice where do you send slot, it he puts it in the corner mm. he's able to redirect it so the puck goes way into the corner where it's very not, there's not a lot of danger there. You can't there. shoot. You there. can't shoot from there's there no angle and expect there. anything. Yeah. Whereas if it pops straight out in front of the net, it's dangerous. You know, anybody could come tap it in or you know make a play. Yeah. Well, think like it, when you're standing at an angle, how much of the net is exposed? The side, there's almost nothing. Hockey's all straight angles. On. That's the yeah. fun part about it. Hockey's like all angles. Geometry people love hockey. They should mm-hmm. because it's all an angle game. It's the same thing that I'm describing here. Shooting it low on the net. If you're coming down one wing and you know that your pass to your to your your winger that's with you isn't there, it might be you know broken up by a defenseman or whatever. Instead of trying to pass across, you almost use the goalie's pads not as a shot attempt but as a bumper. Mm. So yeah. it's like pool instead of you know you're you're almost trying to kiss it off the goalie's pads, make him make a save so that hopefully he deflects it straight on to the guy who's charging you know your teammate with you instead of passing you using the goalie to make a pass. That's you know that's shooting for a rebound, shooting low on yeah. the pads. It's tea, by the way. I think people must be. It's, I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> Zach's getting smashed on this. On, on show <laughs> they right probably now. think I drunk like a whole. You know, it's just black tea. Um, so anyway. Vasilevsky, uh, you, you think is well deserving? I do. Yeah, I think that I think he played exceptionally in, on the stat sheet. I think the, his box score looks incredible, and I think it looks even better with it, the stuff that you can't measure the, when you're watching mm. the game. I think that he was so well deserving. What Such I, a great player. What I like about what he said because I wondered watching. I'm like, I I, I, th- I don't I don't know the numbers behind what I'm about to say. Okay, this is my ignorant, dumb, monkey brain it. watching. Watching, I felt like. I felt like Montreal wasn't getting as many shots on goal. Like, I felt like, and there's probably, in fact, I know those numbers back because of how many saves did uh, Carey Price have versus Vasilevsky. But I felt like Carey Price was getting attacked all the time. And there were, like, long stretches where Vasilevsky didn't have to do as much. But now that I hear, hey, not only, even if the numbers do support that Carey Price had more saves and more shots at him, you would also still then argue, well, but also what Vasilevsky did was by hitting it to the corner rather than in front of him, he might have neutralized two or three more shots by, you know, he he, he controlled how many more shots were taken at him by deflecting it off to the side rather than, does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. He's like, it's a way that a goalie who, you know, a goalie obviously isn't someone who goes and plays out. They're not, you know, contributing to play in the other zone, it's a way that a goalie, it's one of the few ways that a goalie can control the pace of the game. He can slow yeah. things down. He can speed things up. If he thinks that his team's really got momentum and a shot comes in and he can, he can you know, catch the puck and then he can drop it off to his teammates to get, to get the puck going back up ice. Or if he's surrounded by Montreal players, in Vassy's case, he can hold the puck and yeah. freeze it and get a face off if you know, he doesn't want it to. Well, one shot on goal can very easily become three or four yeah. with a bad deflection. With poor rebound control, absolutely. You know, one shot becomes three, three shots become six or seven, and suddenly you're hemmed in and you're probably going to get scored on. And interestingly enough, I, I really quick t- took a look. Shots were even on the series. one fourteen 14 apiece. That's cra- it didn't feel that it way. It didn't feel that way. It absolutely did not feel that way. You're right. And it, I, just looking at it right now, it surprised me because it, it, did it didn't feel that way at all. But Isn't that amazing? It, but I think but that speaks to what the point 
that I'm making or trying to make about Vasilevsky is that despite the fact that the shots were even, it felt like be, uh, in a large part because of him, a lot of the shots that he faced were not of great quality. And that's because yeah. of Tampa's defense, but it's also because Vasi just wasn't putting the puck in a great place to be able to generate more chances, mm-hmm. to, more good chances. Chances, sure, but they weren't quality. Yeah, and the and the quality chances he faced, he saved a lot of the time. So. When you got a guy like that, what are you going to do? When I watch a quarterback like Tom Brady play, I played quarterback mm-hmm. in college and in high school, and I, he, I, I noticed the little things. I'm like, dang, that's a great decision that looks like nothing. That's a throwaway. That's like maybe his best of the day is a throw he didn't make. Things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. I would wonder what a goal, like a former goalie, would say watching Vasilevsky. Like my my, I was not. I was like kind of like ah, like I I couldn't recognize how good he was, but I someone like you or somebody like who played a goalie can really go. No, you're wrong, Zach. Like that's really impressive. Here's why, and they can break down the nuance, like you just said. I mean, that's. I I wish I had more background with hockey so I could notice that kind of stuff. And I'm learning, but it's like, man, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, even of the of the high danger chances that Montreal was able to um to 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 create, and there weren't many. Vasilevsky only allowed two high danger goals the entire series, which is mm. super impressive because these high danger chances are the ones you anticipate goalies letting in because it's, they're coming from a tough spot. It's you know yeah. tough tough save to make. Vasilevsky only let two go by, so even when through some either breakdown of defense or Montreal making a great play and getting themselves in position to score, Vasilevsky was still able to shut the door. I thought that he dictated play more than anybody else in the series. Um, for Tampa or for Montreal, and that's why I thought he was deserving. I think that you can go to the box stores, you can look at that stuff all day, but it, when you, you're watching the games and you think, man, who who really drove play and who drove this win? It's tough for a goalie because, like I said, they don't they only you know they only get to shine when there's chances against for their team. They only they the only way they get to shine is to make saves. But even still, the way that he he controlled pace, the way that he um, was limiting chances for Montreal, doing the best he could. I thought he was well deserving of it, and the stats back it up. I, he was he was phenomenal. Like I said, I'd hear arguments for Kucherov. He had a great series or a great postseason as well. Brain Point did too. Frankly, um, I think he was deserving of it. Vasilevsky. Yeah. Can we talk about how we? we I want to reiterate this. You keep saying, and, and it's it's true that Tampa found a way to cheat the cap. I want you to explain that again for anyone who maybe hasn't heard how they did that. Yeah, so they're, um, you know, a top two player on their team, depending on how you'd want to look at it. Nikita Kucherov, it's either him or Vasilevsky, as far as I'm concerned, as far as best players on their team. He had, uh, he underwent um, uh, a procedure on his hip um, to to fix some sort of hip injury that he had sustained. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail to it, but I guess the long and the short of it kind of is, is that they put him, Tampa, Tampa Bay put him on what's called the LTIR. It's the long-term injured reserve because he had this this major hip procedure. He was going to be out for months and months. And the NHL has language in their CBA that allows teams that have players on long-term IR for their cap their cap hit to not count. Um, the NHL is is like the uh, the NFL in that there is a hard salary cap with no exceptions. It's not baseball with no salary cap, and it's not the NBA with the soft cap and, and exceptions and whatnot. And penalties you, you get over. You get to where you get. That's, this you is how much we all get. Money. This is how much we all get. Done. Yeah. And Nikita Kucherov, being a great player, has a pretty substantial cap hit. He makes a lot of money, deservingly so. He goes on long-term injured reserve because of this hip procedure that he had to have done. So, is that like early, before the year, early in the year? 
It was before the year, I believe. I would think they, so too because I, they, there was time they they signed someone else, right? Yeah, they were able to. They, yes, they were able to fill out their roster. Um, with they didn't have you know they didn't bring in superstars, but they were able to fill out their roster. Um, you know, with other contributing players using the money that they were saving from Kucherov being on long-term injured reserve. And the reason that most teams aren't able to do this is because most teams don't have the talent to be able to play the entirety of the regular season without their best skater. I guess where you're going with this, if I may, is that yeah. you know, they left on the long-term reserve probably longer than they needed to because they know if we just slot him there and wait to bring him back till later when it won't matter financially. Exactly. We, we they they were like we're going to make the playoffs anyway. Let's hide him there and until you, we can And you bring touched him back. on it. Yeah, that that's the crux of this is that come postseason, the salary cap goes out the window. Mm-hmm. You don't have to adhere to it anymore. And the reason they do it is because you when you go into the playoffs, you have to have a certain there's certain guys that you have to put in your you have to submit your roster. This is my postseason roster. You can't add or subtract from free agency and the trade deadline's passed. So if theoretically, come postseason time, you can't make any more trades, you're cap compliant, and you can't add players, why would the salary cap matter? No one can go over it. Adding is done. Yeah. Except for in the case of the Tampa Bay Lightning, where game one of the postseason, Nikita Kucherov is suddenly feeling up to it, and he strides back out <laughs> of the ice, making all of his money with these players that Tampa Bay brought on. With using his saved money, Tampa Bay was able to, in essence, circumvent the cap by keeping his money off the books for months and months and months until the perfect time that he was able to come back when the salary cap no longer matters and uh, and and take full advantage of the CBA. Dude, you know me. I, I fucking love this. Excuse my language. I don't care. I mean, that's it's a team that – because here's the thing. We're not going to see this. I don't think you can very easily duplicate this. First of all, your guy has to get hurt at the right time where you know you can plan for it. B, you have to also be willing to not let your best player play all year with the confidence that you're still going to make the playoffs and be in a position where when he does come back, you can actually take advantage of it. So it's a rare scenario where I, I just don't think it's a very easily duplicatable thing that other people can do. And I, I, I love when people find any way within the rules to win. I'm one of those guys, either love that or hate that. Uh, when I watch basketball and I see Trey Young drawing a foul and going to the free throw line 20 times in a game, people hate that. I'm like, no, that, he found a way to bend the rules to his playing style and, and manipulate the rules so he can win even more. That's not that's called being smart. That's not called cheating. And that's not called I, I, it's finding a way within the rules to succeed and to get an advantage. And I love, love that. Are you do you agree with me there? I do. I love it, too. I love that there's creative management that has allowed this to happen. And listen, this wouldn't matter. This wouldn't have been a thing if Tampa hadn't, through completely legal means, through the work of general managers Steve Eiserman and now Julian Brisbois, that they were able to build a team that was so effective and so good with the money that they had that they could well, be without well, their best player. Well, well let's say it. I don't know what Kucherov's contract is, but let's say it's $10 million, right? So then you, then you have $10 million to spend. You still have to spend that $10 million the right way to get the right guys. Like, they still made good moves with what the money they saved from Kucherov. You know what I mean? His cap is, if they wasted one on bad players, it wouldn't have mattered. His cap is $9.5 million. So you were very on the, yeah. very close, yeah. And the the thing is, is $18 million over the cap because it's like you've used the money to sign $9.5 million worth of other guys. Yeah. And then... 
his nine and a half million comes back. So it's you know it's almost like double dipping instead of nine and a half million over to eighteen. And that's the whole thing is he actually Nikita Kucherov was photographed in a shirt that said eighteen million over the cap, like recently. I love that. I he's like completely leaned into it. I'm the villain. Hell yeah. What's funny, Zach, is I don't think we've actually mentioned this on the show regarding um, this cap circumvention. In 2015, the Tampa Bay Lightning played the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Final. I watched that game from a beach. It was on a big projector on a beach. <laughs> where? Like, that's so the, cool. The Dominican Republic, I believe, is where uh, we were at okay. the time. It was awesome. It was that's, a great time to watch really hockey cool. like in the sun. It was awesome. Anyway. That's just the hockey guy, man. The like hockey that's... guy stuff right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Blackhawks won that series with a similar loophole that allowed them to enter the playoffs $5 million over the cap. Not 18, five. It's modest. After that, the Lightning proposed to close the loophole. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who have not taken advantage, proposed to close the loophole. No other team joined the cause. <laughs> that that is brilliant. I love that. It's it came back to bite everybody else. That, it's awesome. It's a taste of their own medicine. Basically, the, the the Blues might have jumped on that, but it was even if it was the Blues and Tampa, it was very very widely. Um, disavowed this idea to close this loophole. And now Tampa, what, six, years, six years later, <laughs> has now managed to win a cup with it. Did so, the Blackhawks win a cup that year? They did. They okay, did. so yeah. So they beat Tampa with the, they, they had, they were five million over, uh, and then Tampa said, hey, they were five million over. Like, what's the deal here? They get little to no support from the rest of the league. And now six years later, they're like, well, hey, we tried. It's justice. We tried to shut this down years ago. Don't, and no don't one the finger at us. Yeah. So if we're going to uh, lose, and you don't want to say they <laughs> lost the cup because of that, because Chicago, that Chicago 2015 team was absolutely insane. So yeah. you know, they didn't lose because of that $5 million. But they say, hey, you know, that $5 million overage that the Blackhawks had in 2015 contributed to us losing. We're going to get our just desserts right now. And they so they go $18 million over. And win a Stanley Cup. You know, if That's you why they made shirts, because they're like, dude, we got screwed. We're getting payback. If you don't like it, you should have joined the Lightning's Crusade to close the loophole six years ago. They I didn't. love that. That's, that's, a bri- that's a great story. I didn't know that. It's, a, it's an iconic sports story. It's, yeah. th- that's going to live in infamy. And, that, you know, and I'm sure that this, this loophole is probably going to find its way closed here soon. I think that yeah. next time, whether it's the next CBA or whether it's a CBA amendment that they, you know, that they shoehorn in there between um, bargaining sessions, I don't think this loophole will exist for long. But I also don't think, because similar to the Stampa team, that Chicago team was so good and so deep and so talented, they were able to play without. I can't even remember who they were missing that year, but they were they they managed to you know play a large portion of the season without talented guys. Well, do you know what the tuck rule is? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the tuck rule was a, basically a play that allowed Tom Brady and the Patriots to win their first Super Bowl. Yep. And the Oakland Raiders were the victim of this loophole kind of crappy rule. That allowed the Patriots to win in the playoffs and move on to win a Super Bowl. Imagine if so that that rule I think got can't like they got rid of the rule. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure something something like that, right? Uh, but it didn't. It never came up again, I guess. But imagine if the Raiders had proposed to get rid of the Tuck rule. No one supported them, and then down the line they used it to their own advantage and won a Super Bowl with it in their own right. It's justice. It's like really, I've never heard a story like that where. It came back around so, so conveniently where the team that got screwed, for lack of a better term, got the best like sense of justice I've ever heard. That's so cool to me. It's so compelling. 
it's yeah, it's a fun story. I I like you know, and if I was a Montreal fan or if I was a fan of a team that that uh, lost to the Bolts on their way, I'd probably be pretty upset about it. But as a neutral, as someone who didn't have to see the the Lightning <laughs> ravage my team with a team that's like eighteen million dollars over the cap, um, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I think it's really. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think it's funny. I think it's righteous justice. I think that if a lot of teams would have um, voted then the way they're speaking about now, this might not have happened. But you had your chance. You know, every other team, you had your chance. You had your chance to shut this down uh, in 2015, and you didn't speak up. And Poetic justice. Happens. Poetic yeah. justice. Um, did you see what the Tampa Bay mayor said? Or is it just it's Tampa? The city's called Tampa, not Tampa Bay. But you see what the Tampa mayor said? Yeah, she had said something regarding. I think it was uh, after game three. After game three, there was some suggested some some suggestion that Tampa would lose game four in Montreal so that they could win the cup on home ice in game five. Yeah, she kind of jokingly said like, "Hey, feel free to like, yeah, honey badger and give them one yeah. so you can come win the cup at home in in Tampa." Yeah, I don't think any player. I'd be. No. So shocked if any player like well, really, game, really game four goes to overtime. Yeah, there's no way they were like, let's go back to. They want to end the game in overtime. They don't care where they win. They want to win. Because imagine if you get reverse swept. Imagine if like imagine if you take game four off because you want to win it at home. And I know, I know for an absolute fact that they were because I've done this before as like an insane sports fan too, like deluded that uh, going into game. Four. Or, you I guess, give your opponent I guess leaving game four, you're you're down three one. Montreal fan is saying, "Hey, you know, it's three one. If we steal one, if we steal game five, it's three two. Then all we got to do is win at home, and then it's one game. Anything can happen. I've totally been there as a sports fan. It's you don't like, want to be three three going you, into game seven. You don't want to give them. You don't ever want to leave the door open. And I know that Tampa was not actively saying to themselves, "Let's lose this game so There's we can no win way. at home." But I feel like. There's an element of human nature. It's like when it's you know it's like when it's forty two ten in the fourth quarter of of a football game, and it's you know the garbage time stuff happens. I think there's some bit of human nature that makes it really hard to be a hundred and ten percent on the gas when you're up three zero in a series, even if it's the Stanley Cup final. I think there's just like an element of human nature to that. If I remember correctly, I thought Tampa tied it up to send it to overtime in Game Four. Is that accurate? One of because the, there was a score late in that game in the third period. It was either Tampa or Montreal. I can't remember. I, I, I'm blanking now, but I remember going, "Oh, I guess we're going to overtime." There's a late late goal that tied the game. Mar- uh, yeah, Pat Maroon, big rig. He ties it late in the third period. So T- Tampa was trying to win that game. Yeah, they weren't honey badgering at all. Yes, yeah. So um, Montreal, like, were the first ones to score each tie break of that game they scored first they scored the third goal and they scored the fifth goal so it was always tampa responding you know mm. it's not like tampa scored first and then let montreal just keep walking mm. um you know uh montreal, so there is, there's a bit of a slip up montreal there scores late in the first and there's nothing for a long time and then and then tampa ties it late in the second we play half of the third montreal scores and then pat maroon scores five minutes later so Tampa was responding. They wasn't like, you know, they scored first, let's just pack it in. They took that game to overtime. There's a few instances they could have won that game in overtime. There's, it, 
To say that they weren't trying or to even suggest that there was like an attempt of not trying is absurd. There's no way professional athletes are just going to not try when you can win the Stanley Cup. I don't care if you're in Montreal or in Tampa or on the moon. You're going to try to win that game. Yeah. Well, frankly, I don't think they care whether their fans get to see it in person. They want to win this cup and be done. I could see an element of that. The last cup you won was in a bubble way far away from your fans and <laughs> yeah, your family. That's fair. So like they almost got to celebrate two of them with their fans well, now. I, but I think they're just grateful that it happened it's, the way it did. They were not planning it. I said to somebody in a in a text that, you know, if if they're really that concerned about celebrating, if you win you, you if, get a parade. If you win game four, how about you just, you know, you pop the champagne, you take your pictures, and then you don't celebrate and you get on a private jet and you spend three hours flying to Tampa from Montreal. Like you're not far away from your celebration. Yeah. You might as well just win the game if you can. And yeah. that's, again, that's not to say they weren't trying. They were clearly trying to win the game. Montreal played a good game. Clearly, I mean, they're best of the series, I would say, because they won it. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to sweep a team. Even a really good team, and Montreal's a pretty good team themselves, it's hard to sweep a team. Uh, it's hard to win four straight against anybody. So, you know, like I said, I predicted, I predicted six. Um, it went five. It, what are you going to do? But, yeah, no, the idea that, that Tampa wasn't trying to win that game is absurd. <laughs> So in my consumption of, uh, frankly, I, I guess French media because it's French Canadian. It's media. hard to consume French media, right? Like it's hard to. Yeah. It's hard to know. It's hard. To, well, I, I, I don't well, know French. Yeah, so, I like, learned something in the series, trying to follow it and read about it and get as much context as I could. The Habs, H A B S, the Habs are what the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. are called. It's because, uh, it's their nickname because of, and uh, it's less Le Habitat Le Habitants. Labaton, yeah, Labaton de Montreal. What is that? Where did that come from? It's it's because Montreal. I mean, because they're, they're called in, the Canadians. Which they're they're going to be called the the Seattle Americans. <laughs> they're in Quebec. It's a very uh, it's a it's a it's a French speaking part of Canada. Quebec is almost entirely French, um, and uh, out in eastern Canada. And uh, that was the yeah their their nickname the the Canadians de Montreal is I think how the French like say saying, it us. Like, yeah, it's like we are. It's like it. We are the Canadians of Montreal. We are the you know. This is us. This is who we are. We are the Montreal Canadians. We are the club de hockey Canadian. Yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. So it's it's tough. You know, the translation. Because it's, from- it's kind of a weird name, the Montreal Canadians. Again, it's like the only thing I can think of is I guess like the Washington Nationals. In baseball, but that's not even as egregious. It's like calling again, like what's, the Seattle Americans. What's funny? Carey Price played his juniors for a team called the Tri City Americans. <laughs> really? In in Kennewick, Washington. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yep. What a weird. It's cold. I stopped for gas there so many times on my way to Pullman, Washington, for college. Mm-hmm. Five in the morning, freezing cold at the stupid Kennewick Seventy Six station. I've been there many, many times. Mm-hmm. Drive right through it. Yeah. No, that's what that's that's where Carey Price played his junior hockey. Wow. Huh. For for Tri Cities, but it's funny he's played for the Americans and the Canadians. I've been his like <laughs> yeah, his funny. only two exposures. I mean, maybe I mean, I'm sure he played in the minors at some point, but his only like his most recent two teams have been the Americans and it's like a weird the little factoid. It's just a weird thing, yeah. Carey Price factoid, but yeah, no. So the Habs is just a shortening of their Le Habitant name. They yeah. are inhabitants. They are the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know. I, you might have to talk to somebody who's more up on French and <laughs> Quebec history, Quebecois yeah. history. We're trying me, our best. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's going to be like three Quebecois folks who are having a hard time understanding English who are <laughs> upset at our bastardization of, of their team <laughs> name. So I'm sorry. But yeah, that's the Habs are, it's a shortening of their French nickname is kind of the deal. What's next for the Montreal Canadiens moving forward now? 
they're in a weird spot because you could argue that they Carey Price is thirty three. He's thirty three. Which coming I mean, off a which not as great series. Goalies age weird. Like goalies. Well, they're not moving around quite the same. It's, it's their knees. It's a little different. It's, it's knees, like a catcher it's, in baseball. It's, it's, it's knees. It's hips. And Carey's had his his share of, of of injuries in that kind of mid lower body region. Yeah. It's tough for a goalie. Goalies usually don't get really really great until they're like mid to late twenties. Vasilevsky. Why is that? It's really hard to learn goaltending at the NHL level when you're when you're young. Like it's just, well, there's it's, nowhere else to practice other than doing it's it. It's just a really hard thing to learn. It's just mm. it's really hard to be good at that um, because so much of it is technique, and it's less reliant on. I, I don't want to say it's less reliant on athleticism because they're very elite athletes. But and there's specific it's developing their specific type of athleticism yeah. has to be honed in a different way than like a basketball player who can jump as high as at 24. Yeah. It's, it's there's a lot of really technical skills, a lot of really hard specific movements and and knowledge that you have to kind of gain. And there are some examples, Vasilevsky being one. He's still super young. I mean, he's in his early mid twenties. He's twenty six something. I mean, so he's he has and he's been great for a long time. Well, Tampa, like the conversation about Tampa is very short because you say. Well, they're going to come back. I mean, they they are in the conversation for a Stanley Cup final again next year. Yeah, like they're they're really good. They're young. They got a ton of talent. We'll, we'll figure out their cap situation. But if you're Tampa, like I I would think they they we would expect. I mean, you would agree it's a very short conversation. Like they're they're going to be back next year. Yeah, they're going to run it back, and they're going to have some decisions to make. I mean, short of just throwing you know someone else on on LTIR again, I suppose, <laughs> unless you want to run that back. Um, but then they win. They won without LTIR, like they with Vasilevsky and Kucherov, and without the role players they signed to replace Kucherov. Yeah, like they won the normal way too. Yeah, I mean they and won that's in the they, bubble, but yeah, they won it last year. I mean, so they did they did win it that way as well. You're absolutely right. So yeah, no, their expectations are going to be like sky high as they yeah. would be. You know, it's it's it makes total sense. They're going to have expectations to do this again next year. Montreal is in a weird spot, and that, that's kind of the point with Price, is that even though he's 33, which for a lot of goalies is um, you know, nowhere near like the end. Yeah. I don't want to say Carey Price is near the end or anything like that, but he has had his fair share of health issues. And frankly, like as well as he played in this postseason, I think he played tremendously, he hasn't been super remarkable, and this might be controversial to say, he hasn't been super remarkable for several years now. He's been good. He's been fine. And he hasn't had a great team in front of him, so it's not all him, and I understand that. Who is this? Carey Price. Carey Price, yeah, okay. But if you're a Montreal fan, I think that you've got to – and he's such a hero there. It's hard for people to talk bad about him at all. But it's like Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Exactly. Nostalgia. Like, Sidney Crosby also in uh-huh, Pittsburgh. 100%. If you're, if, you're a, if you're a Montreal fan, I feel like you've got to know at some point that as good as he's been for your team – um, you're closer to the end than the beginning. Yeah, with that. Well, their run, sorry, th- their run was so improbable. Like mm-hmm. w- we don't look at Montreal and go, they'll be back because they weren't even supposed to be here in the first place. They were a 500 team in the regular season, and I think they're closer to a 500 team than a Stanley Cup Finals contender. Yeah. They just got a good, made a good run. They made a good run. Cra- they got I mean, it was the right fun. Time. It was a cool story. It was fun. 100. percent Um, but yeah, it wasn't. So I, we have concerns for next year. Yeah, I think that they're a team that could make. I mean, you know, it's going back to the the traditional divisional format. Um, you know, they're playing in. They they got the advantage of playing in what I would consider to be a fairly weak division. 
the the North, the Canadian division. And that helped them out a lot. They got to play Ottawa and Vancouver a bunch, which, you know, I mean, if you're following, you know that those are not teams that are going to give you a lot of tough games. Yeah. Um, they're going to go back to to the Metro, which is full of tough opponents night in, night out. If they don't make the playoffs next year, I wouldn't be that surprised. I, mm-hmm. I, I would probably, without having, without you know, the offseason is going to happen. Stuff's going to change. Guys are going to get, you know, traded and re-signed, and that's fine. But I think that right now, if you, you know, had to make me choose yes or no, I'd probably bet against them making the playoffs. And they're going to keep Carey Price, but should they? Yeah, I think. So. I mean, yeah, because he, mm-hmm. he's still like one of the better goalies, and yeah, he I mean, is. And he I had don't... a great run up until this playoff series. Honestly, like he he shut down. Was it um, Winnipeg with the that great um, Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, yeah he, in Winnipeg. Yeah. No, what was the team? Uh, maybe I guess or Connor no. Hellebuck. Yeah, the, yeah. They played. Who did? They, who did? They, is Winnipeg. It Winnipeg. No, but uh, Edmonton. Did, with Edmonton. Yeah, Connor Edmonton. McDavid. I'm thinking Connor McDavid. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but sorry. Hellebuck shut down Connor McDavid. Yes. Then they played Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, but and then it's it, yeah, I believe me, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's been such a long I don't yeah, know. and all these Canadian teams are like, dang it. The difficulty for for Montreal is that Carey Price is halfway through now at age 33. He just turned 33 like last month. Um, at his current state, he's only halfway through, making ten and a half million dollars a year. Good for him. He's got what he's got the bag, but well, also you can't fire a guy after they take you to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, it's just horrible optics. No, it's just, but it's tough, especially now because with COVID and stuff, with what that's done for league salary cap, we don't know what that's going to be. He's got a uh, a full no movement clause through him being thirty eight years old, making ten and a half wow. million dollars a year, which wow. is a substantial number. Um, so at some point he's going to pull them down. It may not be now, it, but I mean, it it might be now. Like, and that's and it's tough to say that off of them co- going to the Stanley Cup final. Like, it's weird. Yeah. It sounds weird to say. I understand that. Well, he might next year though. But at some point, you're going to need some more guys. Clearly, this roster is not enough. And when he's making fifteen percent of your cap hit, it's problematic. Yeah, it's an albatross of a contract. And I think it, I think we could very likely see it only get worse. And again. 38 years old is what they're paying him. Well, would you compare it to uh, D- Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback in the NFL, is a guy who's very good, but you still need to get him help, and I, I would argue he's massively overpaid. It's it's a guy who, despite his value, clearly and obviously, if you overpay a really good player, you can't give them help, therefore you can't win as much. I mean, you, you do still cripple your team, even if he's a good player. Yeah, they've signed a couple of, of bad contracts. They... Uh, um. They they took on Montreal. Shea Weber is is one of their defensemen, uh, one of their better defensemen. He's he's I think Petrie's their best defenseman, but he's a good player. And he's on a he's making almost eight million dollars in his cap hit. Mm. He's thirty six right now. Oh boy, they're paying him almost eight million dollars. I mean, like in fairness, they they went on a run. Like I guess if you're the GM, you're like, well, we risked it for the biscuit. We didn't win at all. But we, you feel kind of good. You're like, hey, you can justify it by saying we, we went on a run, right? Yeah, for sure. And you can't. But now you deal with the consequences. But now you deal with the consequences that you're now paying between Price and Weber. You're paying two guys who a are. Massive amount of your salary they're, percentage. They're, those two guys alone are making over a quarter of the salary cap. And they're 33 and 36. When, so Shea Weber, he actually signed. This is another conversation about cap. He signed a 14-year, $110 million deal with Nashville. 
Mm. This was back before there were caps on term, and teams did this because they thought if they if they signed such a big contract, because cap, cap hit in the NHL is is uh, you know the number divided by the years. It's really easy. That's your cap hit. It's the 110 divided by 14. That's 7.8 and change. That's your yearly cap hit. So teams are thinking, okay, what if we just sign guys to these crazy ludicrous deals? that they're going to retire before they get to the end of so we can bring our yearly cap hit down. Mm. And the player says, oh, wait, I'm still making a ton of money? Sounds good. And I'm doing a fun game that I love. And, and it, so it sounds good. Like, you can sign me sign me for 30 years. Fine, whatever. Bring the number down. It only helps the team if we do that. Yeah. So, well, was that like when you, you you pay them less money in the short term to extend it out? Like Bobby kinda, Bonilla in, with the Mets. It's kind of like Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the same, same deal. We're going to yeah. give you way more term than we anticipate you playing this game we'll because it's going to keep your cap hit down and then you're going to retire and in retiring you're going to forfeit the money and we're going to be good to go they've now since outlawed that now now there's a, a ceiling oh you so you wait, wait if you retire they don't owe you any of the money left exactly yeah so they're going to sign oh. you so far out that you're just going to retire you're going to call it good you're gonna, we're hopefully going to win some games it is what yeah. it is but they outlawed it what's that mean they made it to where now you can only sign guys for a maximum of eight years Okay. So he signed a 14-year deal. But he's grandfathered in. But he's grandfathered in. And now if he were to retire early, the uh, this is a point of contention. If he were to retire early, um, Nashville, because they signed him to the deal, would have to pay a massive penalty. They call it cap recapture. Mm. And I'm not sure what the number would be. But it's like it would be $30 million against the cap. Some crazy – Why do they have to pay it? Because they don't even have them anymore. Because they signed it, because they signed, and at the time of signing it, it was just, a completely legal deal to sign. But now the NHL is like, wait, no, you can't do that anymore. Well, that's like outlawing. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. So they were. So it's there's the table, and the longer Weber plays, if he doesn't play out his whole contract, the longer he plays, the worse it gets for for Nashville mm. because they're benefiting more off that. And again, this is kind of it's a weird like cap nerd salary conversation, but there, Nashville would have to pay. A tremendous amount of money, but the reason that I guess we're talking about Weber and his 14-year deal is we kind of got off topic, but they're paying him for a long, long, long time. Montreal is. They're paying Carey Price for a long, long, long time. You're looking at, again, 25 26 27% of your salary cap going to those two guys who are aging, not playing their best anymore. It doesn't look awesome for Montreal. It just doesn't. It, yeah. you're, in, you're in a difficult position when you're paying guys who are that old that much. Well, okay, I think we've reached kind of a dying point in the conversation, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I got two questions. Yeah. One, is there anything else you want to say about the NHL Stanley Cup final that you, like anything else you have notes on or like any thoughts that I didn't bring up? It's crazy how close we were. Maybe close isn't the right word. It's crazy that we, at, in an alternate reality, where Tampa doesn't completely choke in 2019 and lose in the first round to Columbus after putting up arguably the greatest regular season they of all the time. They got the President's Trophy. The President's Trophy, yep. yeah. They tie the, the 94-95 Red Wings for the 94-95-95-96. One of those middle mid-90s Red Wings teams who are insane for most wins in a season ever. They're the best record in the NHL and then losing the first round losing in the first round in 2019. If that, if that season goes the way that I think about every hockey fan thought it would with Tampa lifting the cup, we're now talking about Tampa winning three straight and entering some seriously hallowed territory. No one's won three straight since the Islanders in the early '80s. Yeah, it's just it. They're very close well, to making something like it, that happen. Like if you if you simulated the 2019 yeah. playoffs, they would have. Yeah, they were, I, th- I think that was the best iteration of Tampa we've ever seen. 
and, <laughs> and they it lost. just and they lost. Like I genuinely <laughs> believe that was the best team they, they've had in these last three years, and they lost. You know what are you going to do? But we were very close to seeing something seriously historic, and now going into next year, you know, obviously this is a smart team from management all the way down. I think we see them compete for what would be a three-peat, and again, in an alternate universe, is a four-peat. It's a seriously crazy time that we're in for Tampa, where dynasties are so hard to build. We've I want this. Like, so in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton's won mm-hmm. like seven. Mercedes won like seven titles in a row. By that point, it's old. You're tired of it. Yeah. Three in a row, potentially four. Like that's that's fun. That's interesting and exciting. Again, we haven't seen that since the eighties. I mean, we've seen some yeah. really great teams. We've seen it's historic. L- LA wins several in you know in a short in a short span. Chicago had some great teams. Pittsburgh has done very well in, mm. in the twenty first century. You know, from two thousand on up. The, the the Red Wings obviously in the mid nineties were exceptional. Um, those teams didn't have a salary cap to deal with. That's you know they they got to play you know spend all kinds of money. But either way. Tampa is approaching some pretty hollow ground. Like I said, um, I I would like to. Say, I think they're a likable team, and people are going to disagree because of their caps or convention stuff. But I don't think there's anything about Tampa that's like outwardly hard to like. Mm. They're an enjoyable team that plays a fun style of hockey. I'd like to see them continue. Yeah. Um, you know, short of my own fandom of you know <laughs> of of a certain team, um, I I would like to see them pursue it. I think they're a fun team to watch, and I uh, yeah, I wish them the best. I've got a question for you. Yeah. When we think about superior sports teams in America, or sports cities rather in America, you probably think of Boston. You probably yep. think of LA. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is there a case to be made for Tampa? There is now. I mean, they've won, what, they won a Stanley Cup final, then they won a Super Bowl, then they won. They made it to a World Series. Yep. And then they won another Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And then, and then, so then, I mean, people. I've been seeing people say like, they're the new Boston. If you want to extend it out, and again, I don't know if I would, but if you want to extend Tampa well, out a little bit, didn't the Raptors play there? Well, they were bad though. They were rough this year, so okay, they did play okay, there, but they were rough this year. But the Miami Heat made the finals last year, which I know is not Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Tampa doesn't have a basketball team. They have Orlando, which is close to Miami. Yeah. But if I, I would assume that if you went to Tampa. And surveyed basketball fandom in Tampa. They're all it wouldn't Miami be, Heat fans. I, I, it might They're not Orlando Magic fans. There's no way. <laughs> no one wants to be an Orlando fan. I no. don't think. Not even people in Orlando want to be an Orlando fan. No, not really. I'm sure there's a there's a large contingent of Heat fandom in Tampa. So I, while I recognize it's a stretch to consider Miami Tampa, with the success that they've had in all four three sports that they participate in. I have a hard time not calling Tampa like the sports city of the U.S. at this point. And again, that's a that's a title to lose. I where I struggle with that is they're so unrelated. Histor- historically, they're absolutely not. Like clearly, they're not. Like well, it's no, LA no, or it's no, Boston, no. but right now. But it's like even even when I think I think see, I felt more like Boston was all connected because Boston has all these colleges. There's a different. Have you ever been to Boston? I haven't. I want to. There's a culture in Boston where it's. It's me. It's very. It's it's a lot more. It's like it's like New York. Yeah. But for some reason, it's it's smarter. It's they. New York people are upset now. <laughs> I, that's fine. I I prefer New York to be to be okay. totally clear. Okay. Like I, New York's my one of my favorite places in America. Okay. Uh, but so is Boston. Boston yeah. has this. It's less angry. Like New York's hustling, getting after it. Boston yeah. is there to out. Thank you and. Their sports teams reflect that city. Like, hey, we have Harvard, we have MIT, we have okay. all these co- Boston College. Like, there's so many universities in Boston. Yeah, and the, their sports team. Bill Belichick reflects mm-hmm. a fan base that Danny wants Ainge, smart, right? like, yeah. intelligent decision making. Yeah, 
and I, I don't – I'm just pissing off all of America. Is Florida where you go to find the most intelligent people in America? No, but Florida's where you go to win championships, it <laughs> Apparently. seems. Apparently. Uh, like, uh, Florida's where you but go. But how much did Tom Brady influence the Lightning? Like, really? No, of course not. You know I'm not what I, mean? I would, like, I, of course not. I wouldn't say that like they're connected because clearly Tan- Tom Brady doesn't. But it is crazy. I, I guess to your point, what I'll say, it's insane what Tampa's done, and it's crazy that I, I think it's a coincidence. Of course, but it's, it's like, coincidence. But it's like, man, it is pretty insane how much they've won recently, and you got to be happy for people in Tampa. Like they are killing feasting it. on oh, sports yeah. right now. Oh my! If you're a Tampa God. sports fan, you're so happy. I hope they forgive me for my Florida comment. <laughs> you I've, see the building that fell down in Miami? Yeah. There's not a lot of – like, you can't tell me that Miami's one of those I, – I know Miami, Tampa, different places, but the the stuff I'm reading about Miami every single day about their infrastructure is, like, so disappointing. It's like, oh, man. I was in Miami in February. It was interesting. They're, they're their own place. I moved to Orlando. I'm so glad. I, I really? chose – I was – at one point, it's so crazy now. Because it's such so not a actual decision when you think about it mm-hmm. like objectively. But I was having a hard time deciding between Orlando and Hawaii, and I'm like, how the hell was that ever a conversation where I went back and forth on it? Like, wait, it's the obvious answer to me is Hawaii. Like, what the heck? <laughs> but no, of course, yeah, no, they're not connected. And I see what you're saying about Boston, where it feels like there, there's like a uh, an overarching an overarching like culture that makes that city kind of successful. I think that with LA specifically, that's like the one where it's like. I, Although I, I I'm sorry, but like I also the average stereotypical Boston mm-hmm. Patriots fan is like you know drunk as hell at a Patriots yeah. game. I, I call them really smart, but it's like, <laughs> like you know no, but they're a city who appreciates like a uh, like a cunning in their sports management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. With LA, it makes me, and now we're getting way off topic, but it, it frustrates it's fun, me. Though. It, I like it. It frustrates me when people. We're pissing off everybody. So. I know. I, I'm for it. <laughs> it frustrates me when people in the media, fans, etc., um, will constantly clap, clap, clap for whoever's running the LA Lakers in that current moment, because especially now with LeBron and Anthony Davis there, like it's this massive feat. To get guys to go play with arguably the best player ever, and then another top in ten LA. player, and then it's in L.A. and then Boy, it's you for really the Lakers. Them. Yeah, it's like how hard did you do that in Minnesota? Bring those guys to Minnesota, Detroit, Detroit, and then I will clap at your general management prowess. Don't tell me that you've done a thing because you convinced some role players to take pay cuts to play in L.A. for the Lakers with LeBron. Well, Florida, part of uh, – you have to mention this. I mean, honestly, now, part of why Orlando for me was the destination to live was because and, – and now as far as, like, weather, Hawaii's better. As far as, like, day-to-day, Hawaii's better. But as far as taxes – Tax incentives, yeah. Oh, my God. Florida's Texas and Nevada and Florida. Way better. And if you're mm-hmm. a person who's going to make millions of dollars and you can go to Florida where it's also warm like California but there's no taxes – or you know, or compare that to Minnesota. Like, you're going to Florida yeah. easily. I mean, I consider Florida for that reason, too. Yeah. And so that probably does contribute to it's an easy sell. If you're if you're Tom Brady, who spent your whole career in Boston. It's freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. Dealing winters. with a curmudgeon coach yeah. who's mean to you and controls you. Brady looks free in Tampa, and he's making bank, and he's having fun. He's getting drunk at after parties for the Super Bowl. He's got a nice tan. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. If you're if you're recruiting a t- somebody to the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's an easy sell. 
it is. It's never been easier than it is like right this second. Yeah. Because I mean, now you've won two straight. You're gonna get all kinds of guys who are gonna be, you know. And it, I think it's easier more, to win. I think the the ring chasing thing is more is more prevalent in basketball. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be guys. I wouldn't. I don't doubt there are going to be guys who at least eye Tampa up as you know. I'm in my. You know. I'm. I'm nearing the end, but I could, I've still got something in the tank. I'm going to play for very cheap. I'm going to maximize my in my my earnings because of this tax situation. Yeah, I'll just sign a year and and see what I can do for the Bolts. I, that's going to happen. It absolutely is. Yeah. And it would be silly for that to not. Happen. But I just wanted to see. I wanted to run it by you because this is a theory. Not. A th- it's not really a theory. It's a thought that I've had um, since the Rays made the World Series. Because at that point. The it, it was you know we had really seen this Tampa sports thing like kind of explode and that's like is you know we again we think of L A we think of Boston but Tampa's just kind of killing it and now they've won this one again and it's like I'm a, happy for them man. I mean I wish I'd led with that yeah is I'm so happy for Tampa mm-hmm. the the people there yeah uh, the, their fan base like they and frankly Tampa has been historically a terrible place to be a fan mm-hmm. so they kind of deserve it yeah. Yeah, I mean, short of some, you know, some fleeting football success in was the early two thousands. I mean, and the Rays, you know, they have they they won the AL pennant in like oh eight or something, but they never they haven't won like a World one Series. time too. It was not. Yeah, it was like a flash in the pan. Yeah, that was the only time in their franchise's history they'd won the pennant, and they'd won it, you know, last year. But they hadn't been historically great. The Bucks, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. They they deserve it, and they're. They're basking in the glory right now. And again, shout out to Tampa. Do you want to see the Lightning become a dynasty? I think it'd be cool to see it because modern dynasties are so hard because of the salary cap. Um, it's tough to put a team like that together and keep that core around. So, I mean, yeah, like I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be cool to see that. You know, I think that when you win, you know, three and five or two and five or three and seven, you're you had a really great decade, but it's not like a true blue dynasty. Three straight is, three yeah. straight is that's a that's a dynastic team. It's it's as close to a dynasty. I think it is one, but it's definitely as close to a dynasty as you're going to get in the salary cap era. I think mm. it's really hard to put together a team this good when you got you know when you got money to adhere to. You know, now that I think about it, part of what Boston, New York's the same way, and and they're my two favorite. Yeah, like if I ever do do local radio, I'd want to do probably not Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia <laughs> gets too far into yeah. emotion and less thought process. And they, they, it's toxic in Philly. Mm-hmm. But I do love Philly. I mean, Philly would be a fun job, too. Yeah. But my, if I ever left the national, what would you call the national? I'm not in a national spotlight, but I, I do a national show. Yeah. If I ever had to, like, quit YouTube and quit, you know, podcasting on iTunes and Spotify, and I had to go work for somebody else doing a local radio gig, yeah, the dream would be Boston or New York because they... The fan bases are smart. Part of why Boston does demand smart is because they have a very, very critical media presence where if you make a bad move, they call you on it. And don't forget. And they, they are hard and mean, and they will not let you forget the mistake you made. So you have to be a smart, good general manager. In More so in Boston because New York, they just they, it, like the Yankees just pay you more money. It's yeah. less smart yeah. and, and more brute force. But – and the Knicks have been awful, and like Boston has, you know, the Celtics have been what good. About like Dallas, that's another opulence yeah. over strategy. Okay, uh, but my my point though is that, and, and I, I guess in Dallas they have it's they just have so many fans that they don't need to it's be smart. Huge, no matter what yeah. they do, 
even if 30% of their fan base is on board, that's so much, it's more than most other cities even have population, right? Just because it's, they, they're a national brand. They're the biggest brand of football, I think, the Dallas Cowboys are. Why do you think that is nationwide? Like the America's the 90s, team thing? Okay. The 90s, okay. winning with multiple yeah. Super Bowls back okay. then. And it's the same way the Patriots are going to be. How many people our age are Patriots fans that don't have no affiliation to I Boston? I feel like a lot of people hate the Patriots. Do you remember though? Brandon growing up? Brandon, uh, Brandon F. I don't want to say his yeah, last name. Yeah. Was a Patriots fan. Didn't, didn't do, he didn't grow up in Boston. No. He watched Tom Brady winning on TV as a kid. And that's how we – how many people watch – like the reason why people are Pittsburgh Steelers fans, like an older generation older than Cowboys fans, because they saw the Steelers dominate yeah, in that era. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. And then like your our, our dad's era – Either hates the Cowboys because they won a bunch, or loves the Cowboys because they won a bunch. You, you pick the side. Like, yeah. Uh, is your dad a Cowboys fan? Yeah. 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 So he he my dad hates the Cowboys. Yeah. Because he was on the side that hated him. Your dad was on the mm-hmm. side that loved him. The Patriots are our generation's Cowboys or Steelers, where either you love it. I I personally thought the Patriots were a blast. I loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But some people hate them yeah. deeply, and so that's that's where that comes from. Is that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, what I'm saying, though, is that part of why Boston became this place where they had to have cunning and had to have smart moves is because their media will destroy you mm-hmm. if you make a bad move and aren't on top of your have yeah. your stuff together. That's fair. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I, I see that why that would be, you know, if, if you wanted to have a destination, you know, to go work in a market, um, being... I don't want to say responsible because it's not like you know it's not like there's like a responsibility that like you're given necessarily to um to to call things. Well, it's just people keeping you in check. Exactly. I guess that that's a good way to word that is you take on this keeping people in check type of mentality if you're doing sports in a yeah. market like that where the fans yeah. care so much and they want to hear you also care in that regard. So yeah, no, that makes total sense. I, I got a question for you, and yeah. I. I got to pee really bad too, so I, I, and I don't want to cut. I, I'm, I'm having a good time. Yeah. So, but I, I look around the NHL next year, yeah. And you have the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to be back. They're young. They they got a I think a, a three year window. Maybe. The Vegas favorite. Yeah, they were they yeah. released like the too early. They, they, they the probably could have won this year. I yeah, mean, they they they, 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 were my pick. they slipped up. Uh, Vegas is really interesting. They'll be back. Uh, Tampa will be back. I mean, is there any other teams that I haven't thought of off the top of? Because I'm not as engaged in hockey as you are. Is there another team that is, it should be in the conversation for a favorite to compete for an NHL title next year? It's going to be tough for both of them because they play in the East and they have to deal with Tampa. I would say both the Islanders and the Hurricanes. I think are okay. teams to like look out for. Yeah, I don't think they're, they're like, like that next tier down. Like exactly. Yeah, I don't think they're like. Crazy serious top of the line. Com- What's the conference contenders. championship like? The Eastern Championship. It's it would just be the the Eastern Conference Championship. Championship. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're a team that could yeah. get there and challenging the Lightning for that spot. Yeah, I think that that's a. Yeah, they. I think they could. They could challenge it. I think they could. You know, I don't know. It's tough. So much happens in hockey in the off season that matters so much because there's guys that you don't yeah. think like a Pat Maroon type who's never been. Uh, and I, I keep bringing his name because I love the way he plays the game. I just he has all my respect in the world. The way that he the way that he does stuff, the way that he carries himself. But there's guys like that who have never been traditional stat sheet stuffers, who have end up impact. on a team and do really really well and find their lane. And we're so early into the off season, we don't know who's going to end up finding that type of mm-hmm. guy. But I think that the Islanders and the um, and the Hurricanes have a chance to beat teams like that. Who if they get the right guy, a couple of guys, and they fit and they mesh just right. 
this is a team that I think, or those are teams that I think could make some noise. I mean, the Islanders especially. I mean, they played they played a tough series against Tampa. Uh, they're a great mm. team. I think they're they're about as ready. They're about as close to being ready as it gets. I think. Well, my, my next question and the the final one really is: Is there anything else, like any storylines this offseason in hockey, that are like, where does this player go? Does this guy retire? Like, is there any looming questions we have that we're going to get answers to? Like, for example, in the NBA, Ben Simmons is not going to stay in Philadelphia. I can't wait to see where he goes. Is there anything like that in the NHL where we're like, this is something we're we're going to find out and learn this offseason? That's going to be exciting to find out. Without preparing for it, I think it would be the draft because this is one of the few drafts where there isn't like there's not one guy. There have been a lot of these drafts in the NHL recently where going back to McDavid, um, McDavid, Matthews, these are the consensus guys. That guy doesn't really exist this year, Mm. and because of you know, in basketball, early picks contribute right away. And in yep. hockey, you're usually going either back to the the university or the junior team that you played with the previous year. You're just in there, or you're you playing your, in the minors, the rights, right? You have the rights, but you're unless you're very talented, and there are going to be a couple of guys this year who probably do. But know, it's closer to baseball, it sounds like where the, the team gets your rights. It's and then more you than likely you're going to play a couple of years in the minors or in your other mm-hmm. organization than you are for the team. Yeah, but it's, I'm going to be curious how this draft goes because there again is not like you know one super duper consensus guy so there could be all kinds of fireworks teams trading out of the first teams trading Mm. down teams trading back up if they really love a guy Mm. the draft could be fun and the seattle kraken will join the nhl they got the coolest that's my i love that logo the logo we i'm gonna i'm gonna come and watch a game with you that's my so publicly that's my plan i want to do that let's do it let's get let's let's film it let's get press stuff let's do whatever we can no that's that that's uh, outside of the draft that's the fun one there yeah uh the expansion draft is always a good time mm-hmm. um seattle's in a weird spot because of how good vegas did in their inaugural season they make the stanley cup <laughs> the there's these expectations how do you now. live up to that yeah. new hockey fans in seattle are going to expect that to be the reality and there's almost no chance it is it happens that way we said that about vegas too that's fine but statistically it's more like vegas was an anomaly a bad team. The exactly the they're, they're anomalous exactly right so that's those are the two storylines i think the draft is fun i think the addition of the kraken is fun we're gonna see um how that expansion draft goes we're gonna see them take on a bunch of bad contracts for some future assets as expansion teams like to do um it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be fun 32 teams in the nhl we're finally here yeah austin give me next that was phenomenal. Um, you're in town visiting. You, you had fun dinner with your, fian- your, your lady. Yeah. I want to call her your fiance, but it's not. It's, it's, it's the bane of my existence. I, I'm the only one engaged. Um, you should uh, you should start calling your, your, your now fiance. Call her your ex-girlfriend and see how that goes. Because she's not your girlfriend anymore. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I, I literally <laughs> do call that and see how that goes. So everyone else, because I wear the ring. I, I'm engaged, but I wear the ring because I like it. it makes mm-hmm. it, And it also keeps like. You know, you're at the grocery store. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's married. I, I, like, yeah. I like that, you know? Yeah. Um, it's off the market. This guy. Yeah, and yeah, I even like no I changed Liz's. You know, she's now Liza Shomler. Okay. In my phone. Okay. <laughs> like, nice. I'm like all in, man. Yeah. Um, now here's what I want to I want to say. This it's okay. the shock value is going to be fun. Oh God. Okay. I think I've done a pretty good job this episode. I've been pretty sharp. I prepared really hard. I can um, see it, and he has. I don't, are we still live? Are we still recording? Yeah, yeah we're still recording. Yeah. yeah. No, he, Zach's commitment to this and anybody who's a who's a longtime viewer of zach knows his commitment to his show so I, i'm not telling anybody anything new here but i called zach yesterday to, to, to talk about you know preparation for doing the show and the way that he has committed and gone all in to preparing for for a hockey show is is really something i gotta commend you man i gotta commend you live because this has been what the work you've put in for a sport that you don't follow a lot of admittingly um has been really rad it's been really cool, and I hope that this has managed to 
drag a few more people into hockey. I know it's a tough community to get into sometimes, but I hope that this has done that and I hope that you've had a part in that because you've done a good job. Thanks, man. Well, I, I we don't, I don't, this doesn't make money, the, the, yeah. the covering hockey, right? Like, yeah. even my NBA stuff, I mean, I, I got like 8,000 views on video today. And I was like, that's like the best performing NBA video I ever made. I'm like, ah, hallelujah. One of these doesn't get buried, you know? Yeah. People watch me for the NFL. I know yeah. that. But I don't want to be put in a box. Like, yeah. people comment on my stuff like, stick to the NFL. I'm like, hey, that's great. But I, I don't want to live my life feeling like I can't talk about this stuff. This is strong I care opinion about. sports. This is, yeah. yeah. I named it, I didn't call it strong opinion in football. Yeah. But also, like, I, I have people, there's about a, probably about 1,000 to 5,000 people now that only watch and listen to my content. For Formula One. Like, really? I get comments from people that say, I don't care about football. I don't care about basketball. I like how you cover Formula One. And that's, to me, it's an investment, right? Where five years from now, 5,000 becomes 20,000, mm-hmm. becomes 30, becomes whatever. Like, the same way that my football content five years ago, or three, four, whenever I started the show, three, four, five years ago, no one watched it then. I grew a football audience. Yeah. Now I'm growing another audience. I'm growing basketball. I'm growing this, growing that. And I also just... I, I love John Bellion, the musician. Yeah. John Bellion made an album called Glory Sound Prep. He's my favorite musician of all time. Yeah. And he made an album that his fans didn't like. But I liked it because I just, I, what I want from John Bellion is John Bellion being John Bellion. You just want to consume more content. Yeah. And I don't want him to make something to get views. I like when John Bellion is at his most creative. I don't, I don't expect anything from him other than for him to make what he cares about. And then I like it because he cares about it. Right. Yeah. And I never, yeah, yeah. I, I never want to make content to make money or hit a deadline. I've always found a way. Like money's been tight this offseason. Yeah. Probably if I'd made more football content, I would have made more money and it would have been a lot easier to move. But I wouldn't have been as happy. Yeah. And I, I have to make content I like that I care about. And that has to be priority number one or else I'm going to burn out. And I, I, I want to come through in the content. Yeah, I want to have yeah. a forty-year career doing this. Yeah. And it, the once I sell out and only focus on money or views, it's not going to be sustainable anymore. You'll burn out, like you said. Yeah. So I, I have to make. If I care about hockey, which I do, it's been fun. Yeah. I have to make that shit, or else it doesn't. I I would be sad and regretting it, and I wouldn't be happy when I make the football content. You know what I mean? Yeah. That breeds negativity, not good. It's now, like dominoes. Yeah. Here's the shock value. Are yeah. you ready? Yeah. I haven't slept in 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I see your Instagram stories at wild times. I don't know how. I think I'm a robot. I don't know how this works. Uh, it's a lot of caffeine. But I I, I took. I guess I took a 30-minute nap at okay. 7 o'clock. Oh, I, then you told cheater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I was, I've been worried all day. I, was, I, I, was, I stayed up all night getting my show out last night. I put out uh, episode 366. And I've been working on – my fucking episode takes like – it's a two-and-a-half-hour episode that should have been an hour long, but I kept adding to it, and I'm too anal, and I keep adding more stuff, and I get obsessed. And I put it out last night, finally, because I have to get it out before the NBA Finals Game 3 today. I'm like, yeah. it has to come out. And and I'm like, well, okay, now I have to watch uh, – because I didn't admittedly didn't watch the NHL Finals Game uh, 3, 4, and 5 until this morning after uploading. It's like 11. I'm like, I got to finish this. I can't. I, I would make a bad product if I didn't watch these games. And then I'm like, well, I don't have time to sleep, not really. And if I if I sleep now, I'm just not going to wake up till tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Because I just yeah. I, once I go to bed, I, I conk out for like 15 hours a night. Yeah. Good luck getting me up. So I'm like, I got to just caffeine it up and push through. Yeah. And I think all things considered, it's been pretty good. I, you wouldn't have 
you wouldn't believe you've been up for 36 <laughs> I'm hours. I'm proud you, of this man. You've I, done a pretty good job. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You've pushed through. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing that would make anybody, I don't think, believe that. And the marijuana uh, comment. I'm probably going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I got it totally backwards, but I'm not loopy, I don't think. I mean, I, no, you're lucid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I love you. I I Thanks really for doing this, man. I don't know when we'll do another thing again. Um, I, I I'd love to though, and I. It's been such a treat to cover hockey together, and you know, I, I just I, I honestly like I never I don't make content with people from high school. I don't make content yeah. with people from my like I, I I occasionally with people that are other media members, but I never would have thought. Hey, Austin Cram's going to be a badass hockey podcaster. Like, I never honestly would have thought that. Man, I appreciate it. You're so good at it. I thank you, man. I appreciate that so much. It's a sport that I, um, it's brought me a lot uh, personally and like personal fulfillment. Yeah. It's been a really big deal for me. The sport has. Um, so I'm happy to, to bring it to as many eyes as, as we can. Uh, you know, like I said, this is just, this is, this whole thing is a you production. I'm just here to talk a little bit, but the exposure that we're hopefully in some small way. Um, you know, bringing this this really awesome, beautiful game is um, is the is all the reward. Well, so. the last thing I want I want to say to you, man, because I I do want to say it on the show, and I want them to hear it too, is that you have been above and beyond, like recording at one a.m., eleven a or sorry, eleven p.m., like late nights, finding a way to make it work. It's I, eleven thirteen p.m. right now. My birthday is in forty seven minutes. Twenty five. Twenty four. Twenty four. Oh, you're young. I didn't yeah. realize that. July. Okay. Oh yeah, they yeah. got it. You were the youngest yeah. kid in every, every year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes yep. sense. But I, you know, I and I know you'll you'll say that you enjoy doing it. I do. I, I just do appreciate not a lot of people have that level of commitment that are willing to like, hey, I'm, you're on vacation right now for your birthday, and you're like, hey, I can take two hours and come to your house and record a hockey podcast with you for it's free. It's a ball, man. Yeah, no, I, I love awesome. it. I'd like to, get, like you said, I'd like to get something done. Um, you know, I've got the the MMA show. A pretty yeah. big MMA thing just happened. If there's ever, uh, you know, if you're ever looking for a voice on that, I don't mean to, I don't want to back anybody in any no. corners here live no, no, on the no. show. But if you're looking for an MMA voice, well, um, I, yeah, I would love to come on we, and do can more. Can we talk about that for like however long? It's you want? hockey, and I I don't really care. It's my show. We can do whatever we want. However long you want. I I didn't watch the fight. Okay. I saw Conor McGregor broke his ankle mm-hmm. in the first round. But I, my only question is, I've I've never ever 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 seen Dustin Poirier interact. In any setting other than last night. Okay. But his post-game interviews, the way he handled himself, Connor's being a crazy man. And Connor is like the Logan Paul of fighting. Like he is <laughs> loud and obnoxious, but it works. Probably Brash. Jake Paul. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's that's why people like him. And even I, I tune in for Connor McGregor being the villain, being Connor McGregor, being his loudmouth self. Yeah. But Dustin Poirier, I, now maybe he is an awful person. I don't I, again I only know what I saw of him in like a a six-hour time span. He was so professional, was so stand-up, was respectful. Connor's yelling at him, talking smack, saying, I'm going to put you in a coffin, and he's still, like, composed. He literally said, you know, I, I hope Connor gets home safe to his family tonight. Yeah. After beating his ass, like, I was, am I wrong? Like, Dustin Poirier seems like a really stand-up, unique human being. Dustin Poirier is an incredible human being. Okay. Um, that was my sense. I, I, and I would and I, I would talk about him for hours. So on the show that uh, that I'm a part of um, on Cage Pod YouTube, uh, we did a uh, uh, part one of several parts. We don't know exactly how many parts are going to be yet. Yeah. We did a documentary on Dustin Poirier, and what we've learned and we've talked to people who have fought him. We've talked to people who have beat him. We've talked to people who <laughs> he has beat. The consensus, a hundred percent. Is that there are 
zero to few people in the fight game especially, but also just about in the world who are as genuine, as humble, as sweet, as awesome, uh, as caring as Dustin is. Yeah. He's a remarkable person. You see the quote where he said, I don't even care about this. He was doing an interview and he was like, I don't, I don't even want to do interviews. I, I, I'm here to fight. Yeah. I like fighting. I like scrapping. He, he likes to fight. He's very, very good at it. Um, and then, you know, in the middle of this, of this interview you're referring to, after, after the fight had been called, when Connor is yelling at him, saying deplorable things about his wife to him, in the octagon, Dustin uh, is sure to mention that he's raising money to build houses for kids in Uganda. <laughs> like it's, he's just, he's, he's above it. He's an incredible person. He's an awesome guy. Um, well, if he wasn't, if he was a, a not good fighter, I'd say the exact same things. He just happens to be. He's an awesome dude who happens to be a death machine. Yeah. In the octagon, and that's what makes him fun to watch. But what makes him especially fun to support and to root for is how good of a dude Dustin is. I well, was, he seems like a person who happens to fight he's rather a per- than a fighter. He's a really great person who happens to fight, and that's that's been what has allowed him to get his message out there, his word out there, to make him some money for his family. He's an awesome dude. There's no one that we've come across that has interacted with Dustin who has had anything bad to say about him. Mm. He's a great guy. And like I said, yeah. I'm, I, I wish that he could have won in a more um, – fulfilling way because i think he deserves that i think we're gonna rematch we probably will um you know knowing how the ufc likes to do things and make money the way that they do i think we'll see it again yeah but i wish that win for him was more fulfilling because he deserves to have that fulfilling type of win but i was glad to see it go his way no matter um like i said great guy i'm super happy for him so so we should go but i the we i get turning i love Mm -hmm. finding ideas and maybe what we should do is just once or twice three times a year whenever there's a big fight have you on and break down a fight that would be my phone's always on yeah. And I I I'm not a fighting guy. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. But I would be with you because you'd make it interesting for me to hear and that'd be fun. So There's a lot in fighting that's just that's not just the punching in the face. There's a lot yeah. of storylines. You get really you get a lot of really personal looks into people when they get paid at times not a lot of money to go get in their underwear and like cage fight somebody in front of 30,000 people. There's a lot of personality. You learn a lot about people mm. in that in, in that environment, in that scene, that's what the draw to it has been for me in doing that show um, with my partner John and our crew. Is that uh, you know we've learned a lot of really cool things about people and about fighting and about the game. And it's more than just you know punching and punching back. It's there's yeah. a lot to it. It's been it's been fun, and I'd be more than happy to come on and uh, and shed some light on all that fun stuff. Mixed martial arts, awesome. Well, hey guys, um, thank you for if you're still listening. I'll probably have to call I mean, this I don't episode know how like, far in we Stanley are. Cup Finals and more. Because but yeah. I, I think that's fun, and I really. Just well done, my man. That was so much fun. We'll 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 collaborate down the road. Absolutely, and, man. Uh, I love you guys. Bum bum bam. We are.